Well, it's great to be with you again. And whether you're here in the auditorium, on Zoom, uh, and also for those that are listening to a recording of the service, it's great to be with you. Uh, I encourage you, if you've missed the messages from last week, then uh, my encouragement is if you go online, whether you've missed it um, if you're in the auditorium or at home, if you've missed the message from last week, can I encourage you to go to um, one of our downloadable um, access points for our services, whether that be YouTube or also on our podcasting site, uh, so you can catch up because all of these uh, messages are kind of linked together. Uh, last, week's, uh, last week, we commenced a, a new series where we're looking at following Jesus, which will take us all the way up to Easter. And it was special hearing some of the stories earlier today about things that get us on the run, things that we're trying to escape from or lucky escapes that we've had. If you missed out on our Christmas, um, carols, Christmas Eve carols celebration, we caught up with uh, Sam and Greg regarding how their 2020 turned out a little bit differently to what they expected. And they're expecting a child. Sam is with child. So if you weren't aware of that, then uh, just to let you know about that because they announced that last week. I want to invite them up again. Um, and uh, no, they're not expecting twins. No, no, okay. Just wanted to confirm that. That's great. All right. So... Um, let me just grab a microphone for you. We'll grab Radio 2. There you go. Now, Greg, um, tell me about uh, what you and Sam had planned from Christmas Day to last Sunday when Sam was um, going to come back um, from finishing her holiday. So, so what did you guys had in, in your mind, in, in your plans for what you were going to do? We were going to go up to Canberra and New South Wales to tell our families about the expectancy. So we spent Christmas with my family and then next couple of days with Sam's. I had to race back down for work, uh, work in between. Then we were going to go up to New South Wales and have a wonderful time coming back down the coast and ex just having a bit of a break from uh, Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and you were going to head out towards, was it Batemans Bay? And Batemans then, Bay yep. and then do the coast road back because I've done the highway so many times, it's a bit boring. I've never done the coast road back to Melbourne. Yep. So a bit of a trip for me. Yeah, okay. And Batemans Bay is a bit of your old stomping ground, isn't it? That's my home ground. I spent 16 years of my youth growing up there and diving and surfing and mum and dad still live there and 150 metres from the beach. So. Yep. I still have the salt water in my veins. Yeah. So how long has it been since you've been to Batemans Bay? Uh, just after we got married, so it's so been a year now. It's been a while, yeah. yeah, okay. So that was what you had planned. So, <laughs> But it was still how, 2020. Yeah, it was still 2020. <laughs> so how far into those plans did you actually get? Christmas and Boxing Day. And then came back for Christmas, uh, sorry, the break in between for New Year's. And because I'm such a hip young chap, I listen to Talkback Radio on ABC. And we said, oh, maybe we might not be able to go back for New Year's. Okay. So then you picked up the phone and you gave Sam a call. Tell me about that call. Oh, well, I was still at work, so I couldn't listen to the news. <coughs> so, Sam, just you mind jumping online and seeing what, what I've heard is true? Are we allowed to go back to New South Wales or to Canberra at least? No. Okay. So I'll get you to hand the mic over to, to Sam. So Sam, you hear the news that the borders will close at midnight. Mm -hmm. 
that night. And you need to escape from the ACT through New South Wales to get to Victoria. What goes through your mind at that point? Uh, not, not much. <laughs> um, no, basically, also when Greg rang, I, um, I was like, no, I've checked the news. I've, I've checked all of these things today. It should be fine. But I'll look again. He's asked me to look. Um, and he was right, so it was worth looking. So I think they made the announcement at 4 o'clock. Um, I got off the phone and I said to my, I was staying with my mum and I said to mum, okay, uh, well, we were packing the car for Bateman's Bay, but I'm, we can't do that anymore. And she's like, right. I said, yeah, and I have to go now because I had it in my head that um, I needed to be home by midnight, which was going to be really tough as opposed to just across the border. And I was like, oh, we have to go. I have to, I have to go now. Like, we need to go now. And mum's like, right, and you're not driving by yourself with a dog, so I'm coming with you. I'm like, oh, yeah. She's like, nope, that's what's happening. So we um, finished packing the car. I took Lefty for a quick run. Mum went and got us some things to eat for dinner. We packed lunch and I think we were in the car 45 minutes later. Um, wow. And then, <laughs> then we rang my brother <laughs> and my dad to say, oh, by the way, <laughs> leaving the ACT. Um, and we decided that we would not stop um, between the ACT. Like we wouldn't stop anywhere in New South Wales because we just weren't sure. Like they still wouldn't say what the rules were about ACT. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of one of those constantly checking things and um, you know, making sure that we got, got to the border at the right time. I think I sent a few flying off text messages to people to say, can you please pray about this? Um, so, yeah. Yep. So how important was it for you to get to the Victorian border and what difference would it have made if you hadn't have gotten there in that time? So important. So, um, yeah, I think, well, all of the, all of the, if we didn't get there before midnight, um, I would have had to quarantine for 14 days, um, whether the test was positive or negative. That was kind of what they'd said. Um, and that also meant that Greg would have had to quarantine for 14 days. And he works in hospitals and aged care centres, so he wouldn't have been able to go to work. Um, and he doesn't have any leave for that. Um, I also wouldn't have been able to come into work, so I probably would have been able to do some work from home, but that wasn't like... I need to be here. <laughs> so um, it just wasn't, it just was not an, it wasn't a negotiable. We had to, I had to be home. Yeah. And I remember you telling me when you were giving me the account of driving on that um, highway to the Victorian border, yeah. of seeing the, the signs of how many kilometres to go and how you were counting those down. Yeah. So I just assumed that there would be um, a massive line at the border. And so when we got to 18 kilometres from Aubrey, I'm like, woohoo, no line. <laughs> And then we got to 12 kilometres before the border. I'm like, still no cars, like still still no line. That's okay. And it was about nine o'clock at night at this stage. So I was in this place like, it's okay. Even if there was a line here, we'd still make it through. And so every time we got a bit closer. So in the end, I think mum and I were in line for about 10 minutes. It was, praise God, very smooth for us. Um, but yeah, it was kind of this um, making sure that we pushed push the time um, to be able to make it across at the right time. Thank you so much for that. I'll let you guys grab a seat. Um, <clears throat> I'll let you tell. Mum's fine. My mum's amazing. So um, we shared the driving. We got home to Melbourne about 1.30 in the 
the 1st of January 2021. Um, Mum stayed for a night and then she drove back to Canberra because we didn't want her to get stuck. So she drove home on the Saturday. So flying trip. Yeah, so a very quick turnaround time. Now, travelling by car with a dog can be a challenge. Toilet breaks and what are you going to pack and all those different things. But imagine doing a similar sort of distance, a hiking trip from Canberra to Reservoir or to Preston. Um, and this time you've got a toddler in tow. Baby about one, maybe two years of age. Imagine that for a moment. Well, keep that in the back of your mind. That captures some of the heart of the next instalment of following Jesus as we look at Matthew's Gospel and the account of the life of Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn um, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Let me pray for a moment. Jesus, as we delve into your Word again, we thank you for all that's gone on in the service so far. And we ask that um, you would speak to us as we look into your word and that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us deep to deep. And that as a result of us spending time in your word, we would understand you better, us better, and the depth of your love and your mercy and your grace. Amen. So to catch you up with the story so far, Mary and Joseph discover that Mary is going to have a baby, the saviour of the world. Their world is already being turned upside down when heavily pregnant Mary decides to go with Joseph to Bethlehem due to the census. In Bethlehem, Mary is separated from her family and uh, home and she gives birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Angels cheer, shepherds appear and Eight days later, Jesus gets the snip. A month goes by, and so they drop by to Jerusalem with two turtle doves to fulfill the law. Simon and Anna are filled with joy and sing out to others to marvel at the arrival of the promised Messiah. Joseph and Mary and Jesus make three. Go back to Bethlehem. Perhaps a few months to a year, wise men appear from the east bearing gifts and delight. Warned by God, they give the holy family the nod and return home, avoiding King Herod's plight. So that brings us to Matthew 2.13. Matthew 2.13 continues on from last week. After the wise men had gone... The angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. To continue painting the picture around King Herod, um, he was racially identified as an Arab. He was religiously a Jew, culturally a Greek, and politically Roman. Herod was a complex man. Herod's reign was dogged by domestic problems due partly in the fact that he had 10 different wives and all of them 
wanted to have their sons succeed him as king. Paranoia and conspiracies um, filled Herod's head in the final year and he had his three sons executed. The arrival of the Magi raises Herod's concerns once again of a threat, a challenge to his power. Tormented and delusional, Herod wanted to thwart any threat to his throne. Sovereign God steps in again and alerts Joseph to the need to flee to Egypt. Why Egypt? Well, at the time, Egypt was still under the rule of the Roman Empire, but it was well out of reach of Herod. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophets. I called my son out of Egypt. While starting their escape to the border at night, it would have been far too dangerous to continue to travel at night. Later in Jesus' life, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, which alluded to, or actually clearly articulated, the dangers of travelling down roadways in, the, uh, in that area. The borders of Egypt were uh, around 130 kilometres south, uh, southwest of Bethlehem. A trip that would have taken about five days to a week. It was an emotionally charged trip, mentally and physically exhausting. Every moment that they rested increased their risk of being caught. Travelling light, but imagine doing that by foot, cart or donkey, or perhaps a combination of the three, with a toddler. Crossing the border into Egypt, Joseph, Mary and Jesus were likely to have travelled deeper into Egypt to Alexandria. The distance from Bethlehem to Alexandria would have been in the vicinity of 650 kilometres. Now, a quick pop quiz, Greg. How far is it from Canberra to Preston? About 700k, yep. So, a similar distance from Canberra to Preston was the distance that Mary, Joseph and Jesus travelled. A journey that would have taken them several months. Alexandria was a city on the northwestern edge of the Nile Delta, where upwards of a million Jews also lived. Financially assisted by the Magi's gifts, and Joseph's skills as a carpenter, Mary and Joseph and Jesus stayed in Egypt for probably a year as political and religious refugees. Herod was furious when he realised that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in um, and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, a cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. 
one of the final acts of a paranoid and delusional leader was the ordering of the execution of all boys under two years of age born in the district of Bethlehem. In a small town of Bethlehem and the area around it, this may have involved around 20 or so boys that would have been executed. The number of um, babies massacred was considerable, a considerable loss in Bethlehem. But still, it is not an incident of significance for historians when seen in light of the other horrific events in Herod's infamous career. Matthew 2.19 continues. When Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. So in around 4 BC, Mary, Joseph and Jesus, who is possibly around anything up to two to three years of age, after living as asylum seekers in Egypt for around a year, once again pick up what they can carry and make the journey of several months back to the land of Palestine. After Herod's death, Herod's kingdom was divided into four regions with three of his sons, Achilles, Antipas and Philip and Herod's sister, Salome, all re- ruling various regions. In Matthew 2, we read, But when he learned, that is, Joseph learned, that the new ruler of Judea, which included Jerusalem and Bethlehem, was Herod's son, Achilles, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Joseph's fear of Achilles appeared to be well grounded, as Herod's son tended to follow in his father's ways. Soon after Herod's death, Achilles overreacted to a small uprising, a small squabble that was taking place in the Jerusalem temple, using a sledgehammer to swat a fly. Achilles sends in troops and cavalry, killing around 3,000 pilgrims that were there to celebrate the Passover. Achilles was noted by his, the historian Josephus as a brutal, uh, as brutal in his treatment of Jews and Samaritans. Because of his cruelty, Augustus Caesar feared a revolution from the people, so he deposed Achilles and banished him to Gaul in AD 6. After that, the rule of Judea was passed to Roman rulers called prefects, one of them who we know as Pontius Pilate. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Achilles, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Now, Galilee was governed by Herod Antipas, Achilles' younger brother by about two years. Antipas was the ruler of Galilee for less than 10 years when Mary, Joseph and Jesus, the little boy, moved to the region. To be sure, another son of Herod 
Herod Antipas ruled over the area of Galilee and Perea, but he was more tolerant a ruler than some of his siblings. And Galilee became known as a place where revolutionary sentiment was spoken about um, that would never have been tolerated if um, it was his father who was reigning at the time. But when he learned that Joseph learned that the new ruler in Judea was Herod's son, Achilles. He was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Now, to be called a Nazarene is not to be confused with taking a Nazarite vow, which is not to drink wine or to have your hair cut while you're fulfilling your vow. To be nicknamed a Nazarene was a term of contempt. People in Australia often refer to those that live in the western suburbs of the capital city of that state as being somewhat less, less affluent, less well-off, less of people. There is a similar contempt for Nazareth. So to say that, to call someone a Nazarene could easily have been thought to suggest that he was a nobody from nowhere who would probably amount to nothing. But as we will soon discover, for this Nazarene, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, for me, as I reflected on this story of the life of Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus, I was struck by a couple of things. First were the parallels of this account with other narratives in God's work in the world. Colleen read for us earlier about a time when in 1 Samuel 18, where Saul, another jealous king, um, in an effort to seek to protect his power, seeks to kill God's anointed, David, who would be a king after God's own heart. David had to flee, he had to escape, he had to run for his life. And at one stage, in 1 Samuel 21, while David was escaping from Saul, he um, tried to stay in Gath. Fearing for his safety, David, God's anointed, remember that, he's God's anointed, pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard as he stayed behind enemy lines, fleeing from the king. The gospel writer uh, Matthew draws several parallels in our account of, uh, oh sorry, and then there's also Elijah. Elijah is a mighty prophet of God who could call down fire from heaven and on the threat of death from King Ahab's wife Jezebel escaped into the wilderness in Sinai in 1 Kings 19, once again fleeing for his life. And the Gospel writer Matthew draws several parallels out between Mary, Joseph and Jesus and their escape to Egypt with another deliverer escaping from Egypt, Moses. We read about Moses in Exodus 1 to 4, 
Pharaoh, out of fear, directs the killing of newborn babies. But one slips through Pharaoh's plan, Moses, God's rescuer. Pharaoh once again tries to kill the adult Moses, but this time Moses escapes again to Midian. Later, Moses returns to rescue God's people from the land of oppression and punishment from evil Pharaoh. Time and time again throughout history, we see the forces of evil stand and try and stand against and stop God's redemptive work in history. He, God is calling people back to himself and especially magnified in these close relationships between such a wonderful scene of the baby Jesus in the manger, the nativity scenes, and then how often do we hear on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day about the murder of the innocents. But yet those two things closely combined, the killing of boys two and um, under in Bethlehem, shows the very evil forces from which Jesus came to rescue and redeem us. It also reminds me that just because we are called by God, that in our effort to follow God, it does not mean that life will be easy. Whatever we do and whenever we try to follow Jesus, we stand against evil and oppressive powers and it can come at a cost. But God is sovereign in his ultimate work of salvation plan throughout history will come to pass. But I'm also reminded that of the places and that uh, the place that Jesus takes in history as a political and as a religious refugee. Mary, Joseph and Jesus must flee with little more than what they can carry, the clothes on their back, and flee to another country. And when I consider how they came under the protection of another country of Egypt, I can't help but wonder about Australia's treatment of those seeking political and religious asylum. When I sit and hear the stories of people from our own church family, people like Morteza, Nazila, Anita, Ahura and Ariana, and their time on Christmas Island, the compassionless interview that they had to endure that was bordering on interrogation of Nazila, I can't help but wonder what sort of treatment a family like Mary, Joseph and Jesus would have received if they were fleeing to Australia today. As I reflect on my life as a follower of Jesus, I wonder what it would be like to live in the sandals of this family coming to Australia today. While the questions of responding to refugees is not an easy one, as a follower of Jesus, I believe that we can do better as a nation. Our national anthem sings out, for those who have come across the seas, we have boundless plains to share. With courage, let us all combine to advance Australia's fair. And while I support the tweaking of the words here and there, 
as a follower of Jesus, it's also a calling on me to live with courage, to live out these words that are a part of our national anthem. After all, if living life well is just about me, then I'm not really following Jesus at all, am I? Let me pray. Jesus, it's amazing and uh, just a wealth of understanding that we can gain as we spend time delving into your word, as we hear some of the formative years of your life, living on the run, fleeing conflict and the, the threat to your life, having to find asylum, find refuge in another land and spending time in Egypt before you with your uh, mum and with Joseph make it back to um, the area of Palestine and, and to Galilee. And Lord, we recognise afresh the way that your sovereign plan can be outworked but we also recognise afresh how evil would want to do all that it can to thwart the good that you call us to do. We also recognise that the challenges of asylum seekers in our nation today is not an easy one to resolve. But help us to follow you, to follow your heart in the way we treat those that are seeking political and religious refuge in our country. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of questions that I want to pose to you before some music is played. If you're experiencing times of struggle and if you're engaging in spiritual warfare against evil, pray. Pray that God's salvation plan will be outworked in and through the way you live and respond. We see that evidence time and time again in the narrative of the Bible and God's outworking of his plan, his salvation plan that affects us today. But the second thing is, how, do you how does your understanding of Jesus' early life as a refugee help you to respond to those who are looking for refuge and safety. Maybe write a prayer of response, inviting God to be at work in you in those areas as well. There's going to be some music played, and as the music's played, I invite you to take those response cards, or if you're at home, to click on the chat and uh, respond to the things that God's saying to you today. And then after those response cards, after our response time, we're going to have an opportunity where we'll collect those response cards and our offerings as well. God bless you.